you could be seated for a moment. How many likes good news? Fortuna received the baptism of the Holy Ghost today, a new new believer in Fortuna. We thank God for that. Hallelujah. God is on the move. God is on the move. Amen. What a great, great time we have had. And I uh, want to say one more time, thank you to our wonderful band that came from the East Coast. Delighted to have them. Great to have, I'll call it our family uh, in town. Uh, DJ Sisters, the delight to have them. And uh, it's great to have Brother Jonathan from Missouri. God bless, honored to have him worshiping with us. And of course, it's such a delight to have one of my two best friends in town. I have two best friends, my dad and Steve Wilson, and to have them both in town is a wonderful thing. And uh, don't we love our elders? Amen. Both of them sit on our board, and you can feel confident that they lead with integrity and righteousness, and we appreciate them so much. My mother-in-law, Sister Pat, we love you dearly. Mama, we love you. You know, uh, the enemy likes to work on our brain. If you were not born into an apostolic church and uh, uh, you don't have, quote-unquote, a heritage, if your parents were just good old sinners, perhaps the enemy could come and say, how could God ever do anything with you? Let me tell you what the other side of that spectrum is. If your name is John Mark... And your dad is the Brother Morgan. And you automatically have this pressure to do what your daddy did. I'm glad today that God gives individual callings. And he gives individual ministries. And we're thrilled to have John Mark and his buddy Tim up here. I'm going to ask Brother John Mark Morgan to come and greet you tonight. God bless you, Brother Morgan. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in Eureka. And what a week we've had at Eureka Fire. It has been phenomenal, filled with Holy Ghost movement. And you know what? I got. I was driving in town this week, and there's a heaviness in the spirit. And we are living in the end time. But God's word says he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. I come, I didn't know I was going to do this tonight, but I'm telling you, we are about to see the greatest supernatural power that we've ever seen. I'm talking about people being healed, people being delivered, being set free. And if you're in this room tonight and you need to be healed or set free, tonight is your night. Because he's about to release his supernatural powers, not just for the church, but for the world. If you believe it, will you just stand at your feet and clap your hands for a moment? Hallelujah. 
Praise God, praise God. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today? So many memories. I remember one time we were in a heavy season. Brother Morgan was preaching and he turned around and he said, that spirit, he whispered to me, he said, the spirit of Jezebel that's been attacking you will not attack you again after this night. Thus saith the Lord. He turned right about, you guys didn't even know he said it. And he just went right back and preached. And I promise you, that night it was broken and bound. Aren't you thankful that God is alive and he's still speaking? He's still doing a great work. Are you hungry for the word of the Lord tonight? Honored to have you, Brother Morgan. God bless you. Well, I'm tired. What a night for y'all to pick a bunch of shouting music. <laughs> Amen. I know y'all had a quite a busy week. Amen. And uh, it's not just the event, but it's the preparation of it and all that wonderful, fun stuff. But what a great job. And I commend this church for, uh, I, I preach a lot of meetings and I'm thankful for it. I'm very thankful. But uh, this one's always first class, just, and the, the, exp the expectancy of it is, you know, believing. And, uh, you know, some, some meetings, they just kind of get on cruise control. Yeah, but this one just, uh, it's building. It's building, and uh, it's going to have a far, far-ranging impact. I believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that? Yes. Praise God. God bless you for being here tonight. And I give honor to Bishop, amen, his wife, and Pastor McDonald. And, amen. And Sister Wilson. And even old dirtbag over there. Anytime we see each other, we both greet each other. Hey, dirtbag. It's, it's respectful. Amen. And uh, amen. God bless you wonderful people. Amen. And uh, glad to have John, Mark, and Tim up here this weekend. Amen. And all of a sudden, John Mark's got quite a burden for Eureka. his mama's watching, I'm in trouble. Amen. I've enjoyed the music. Amen. And this wonderful praise team. You can, uh, you can be seated. Amen. And uh, I, uh, can I tell you a story? I, I had a little girl uh, on the way home. Uh, from church, this was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and she told her mom, she said, Mom, Brother Morgan's not a good preacher. But he is a good storyteller. <laughs> so uh, I was pastor in Oklahoma for, from 1988 to 1998, 10 years, 
Got a PhD in pastoring. <laughs> Trust me, I did. I mean, I had everything from fist fighting in the church parking lot. and you, I, I, People don't even believe, some, you know, but it, it happened. And uh, it was a lily white church. And uh, I, I, I remember being so frustrated because we weren't having a revival praying people through. And the Lord spoke to me one day. I was driving from Tulsa back down to Oakmore. It's about 20, 25 miles. And uh, I said, Lord, where's our harvest? Where's our revival? Never forget it. He said, they that are whole need not a physician. And you're trying to reach for the wrong demographic. If you'll reach for the African-American and the Native American I'll give you a revival. Old Mogi was 30-something percent white, Caucasian, 30-something percent uh, African-American, and 30-something percent Native American. So gives you a little insight to our demographics. God was good to us, and we broke into the African-American and the Native American community. That's where our revival, both groups is where our revival come from. And, uh, I mean some of the most precious people. So I, I, I decided I was going to hire a music director. And so uh, I was in uh, preaching out here, and uh, my, I, I told my brother Jeff, I said, man, I've got to find a good music director, and I, I want somebody got a little soul to it. And uh, he said, I know just a guy. He said, I don't know if his dad would let him come. His dad pastors in Vallejo, California. And uh, so he made reference to a young man by the name of James Williams. And so I contacted James's dad. I said, look, would you be interested in letting him come out? And he said, absolutely. And so James come out and just was a good connection. And so we, we hired him to do the music. Now, I want you to understand we are in the capital of Garth Brooks country. And everybody there sang through their nose. So, <laughs> boy, I hope this is not too bad, amen. And uh, so James started working with the choir. And after two or three months of the choir not singing, I went to him. I said, James, I mean, it, when's the choir going to be ready to sing? He said, oh, it's going to be two or three more months. I said, is it that bad? He said, well, I'll put it to you this way. They're not terminal, but they're very sick. <laughs> and I'll never forget the first night the choir sang. There's nothing like watching a bunch of white folks trying to sway. <laughs> and getting the white man overbite. And they took off on a Hezekiah Walker song. And I mean, it was stunning in there. <laughs> I looked out 
all those Okies. And they were just like. <laughs> oh, I love it. Good old shock treatment. Amen. Amen. Maybe I shouldn't have told that story. I don't know. I just, you know. Here we are. Praise God. Amen. Uh, I, um, I, I appreciate the service today and the sensitivity that you had to the spirit. And uh, at the close of it, there was a message in tongues. And toward the end of it, it really connected and resonated in my spirit on what I was planning on kind of moving into. And so I'm going to follow the direction of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I, listen, I stay over every year after because of times and preach at the POA. They wore out, and I don't try to get them screaming, hollering. So I know y'all are wore out here tonight. Now I know, oh, prove you. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but we're going to kind of ease into it, talk to you a little bit. And, you know, whatever the Lord wants to do, he'll do. Amen. And uh, I appreciate you just opening your hearts. Amen. Uh, matter of fact, I, uh, I could give you a verse of Scripture if you want a verse. Do, do we have to have a verse of Scripture? Okay, let's, uh, I'll give you a verse of Scripture. Uh, Jesus wept. Is that a good one? <laughs> Tell me I come here. I just get in this <laughs> crazy. I'm, at, I'm in Humboldt County. You understand crazy. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Amen. You know, if you can't laugh, get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you have been around people that acting so spiritual all the time. Just I started to tell a story, but I won't. Nope, I'm not telling that one because some of y'all would figure it out, and I, no, I'm not going to tell that story. So, anyhow, laughter's like medicine. It's, it's why some people are kind of so sick. They don't take their medicine. And I found out the other day that humming, humming is good for your brain. It releases certain chemicals and stuff seriously so I've been doing a lot of humming lately I'm about to turn into a humming bird is what I'm about to do I'm telling you man just you know we fight enough battles anything that can help us live a real victorious life and you know we're I always talk about the devil a lot I had a preacher call me last night and uh, pastor him, and he said, you know, I've been studying the New Testament prayer, especially the book of Acts. And now, he said that there were 30 prayers. He said, I can't find one of those that ever even mentions the devil. He said, it was always about the goodness of God, always about the power of God. And uh, one of the things is, is we can get so serious that, uh, 
You know, I, I see a lot of people, especially ministers, you know, lose their children because maybe they're too serious. And, you know, laughter's good for you. I mean, it, it has to be measured and balanced and all. But, you know, just learn to kind of take things and learn how to smile about it and laugh about it. And, and you might as well find humor. You can find humor in everything. I'm just glad I wasn't there when Sister Stephanie failed because I would have laughed. I would have. There's nothing like watching somebody fall. Listen, you're just going. Man, I'm on a roll here tonight. My mother-in-law fell at our house one time. Busted her shoulder all up. My wife said, all I know is I'm glad you wasn't here. <laughs> I know. I'm weird. Amen. All right, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I think I found one I can use. Amen. <laughs> uh, according to his verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. Uh, I, I want to talk to us tonight in regard to where are we going to see the miraculous? And uh, I feel just as strong about what I want to mention tonight that I did this morning. One of the main reasons that I feel, and it connects, it connects is because in the seed, of course, is DNA, parts of DNA. And uh, when you receive the gospel and you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you'll notice, uh, I call this God's addition. It's God's addition. If you'll notice, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us uh, great, and great and precious promises. Uh, you know, one of, one of the greatest revelations there is to me in the scripture is in the concern to the seed of Abraham and the promise. Of course, when Paul's addressing the Galatians, he said, it's not plural, it's not seeds, it's singular, it's seed. And he said, so, if you understand, and then in Galatians 3, 4, whatever it is, he talks about that the spirit, the spirit, the Holy Ghost is the promise. And that's why when Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, he says, for the promises unto you, to your children, to those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's inviting people to be a part of the blessing in the seed of Abraham. That's what he's doing, to receive the promise. And so I thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Man, I'd sure hate to be trying to do this without the Holy Ghost. We got enough trouble with the Holy Ghost. I'd sure hate to be trying to do this without the Holy Ghost. And so I thank God for it. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal, and I, I, I want to stay in my lane here. 
you, you, you have two natures. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive a divine nature. According to this, you receive a divine nature. Now, with that, you're to add some things to it. It all starts with faith. That's the very premise of it. That's the true foundation of it. But you add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. Now, none of those things are you to subtract and to get rid of. I think the Amplified Version says, as you exercise your faith, let it energize and create virtue. And so when you allow what I call the active work of the Spirit, ministry of the Holy Ghost, it starts adding things into your life. Now, he gives us a complete list here, and when he ends the list, of course, you know, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, yeah, and godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. So he, he puts the zenith up there, something called charity, and he went on to say, if you have these things, you'll never fail. Now, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in making sure I make it. Anybody else are interested in making it? So we watch this addition and we watch this progression. Now, I, I'm a firm believer that there is a maturing stage and maturing stages in your life as you begin to grow in Christianity. I believe that there is a spiritual formation. Uh, few years ago, they asked me from headquarters to write an article about uh, retention and discipleship. And I explained to them that there is, in my article, I said there is a distinct difference between retention and discipleship. We can learn how to retain people. But I, I mentioned in the article, uh, there is a second travail that the Bible talks about. Paul said, I travail again until Christ be formed in you. So you can develop methods to retain people, but them never be formed into his likeness and into his image. And if we're not careful, that happens all the time. People sit there, they sit there. Matter of fact, this is amazing to me. Uh, several years ago, I was preaching in a church, and uh, <clears throat> this church was on the slippery slope. It really was. And uh, I, I, I was asked to come there. Let me give you a little example of where they were at. The first Sunday that I was there, I taught a 40-minute Bible study on uh, being born again, 40 minutes. I gave an altar call, and I prayed through 52 people through the Holy Ghost on that Sunday morning. We went out to lunch, and one of the men that prayed through in that revival, that service, was the pastor's personal pilot. And so... We were at the table, and the pastor kept saying, Hey, man, I'm so excited you got the Holy Ghost today. He said, What was so special about today? And the man looked over at him. He said, Well, to be honest with you, today's the first day I knew I actually had to have it. So the old pastor leaned over, slapped me on the back. He said, Bubba, I'm going to love them in, and you come pray them through. And, uh, I mean, they were backing away from the Holy Ghost and everything. And so I was sitting up there on the platform one night, uh, which was rare. I only, usually only preached the Sunday morning. And, uh, but this is one of the Sunday nights I was there, and I looked out across there, and I said, Lord, am I even wrong for being here? And please show me the state of this congregation. And uh, I, uh, uh, I remember I, I just kind of... This, this is just the way it come to me. 
This church will stay in a perpetual state of infancy because you have infants teaching infants. There's no spiritual growth here. There's no spiritual maturing here. There's no spiritual formation developing here. And uh, matter of fact, that happened. And then last night I dreamed about another church. And uh, when I, in the dream last night, it wasn't you, amen. I kept dreaming about the fact of was trying to have a service and the children were up and they were just moving through the building and they were up there just creating chaos and all that stuff. And the Lord's showing me this state of that congregation now. And so I thank God for spiritual maturity. Amen. I really do. I think the scripture teaches us spiritual maturity. I, matter of fact, I teach very strong that there are three stages in an apostolic church. Paul, or John wrote and said, I write unto you infants, sin not. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. I write unto you young men, overcome the wicked one. Grow up and start conquering some things. I write unto you fathers, you have known him from the beginning. You need to be procreating. You need to be teaching. You need to be training. I find that a true apostolic church has all three levels. If, <laughs> if everybody looks like a father, where's the children? And if everybody stays as a child, when are you going to start conquering some stuff? And I'm going to help you with something else. My God, if you're old enough to be a father and you're acting like a child, we got problems. I mean, I understand people coming this way and growing and all that stuff and all. I, I don't have a problem with that. I got a lot of patience with that. I give you a lot of room with that. But it's folks that are in college that are wanting to go back to kindergarten I got a problem with. Because in this addition, you're not to subtract things and get rid of it. You're to keep adding to it. So in this spiritual formation, it all starts in uh, you receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you'll remember, the scripture teaches us that the Holy Ghost, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now, the deal is, it's in this progression. It finally reaches the peak, which is charity. Now, a lot of us, uh, we can get some brotherly kindness. Some people can get some brotherly kindness, and we think that's the end of it. But no, charity. Charity is the true epitome of spiritual maturity. Uh, not you talking in tongues. I know some folks that can talk in tongues till they get an accent. But the fact is, is they, there's no real nature of God manifesting in their life. I didn't want you just walk around talking in tongues all the time and then acting like the devil. Ooh. I need to get on down the road here. But this nature, this nature. So here's the deal. There are several things in the scripture that the Bible says God is. And when you read there in Peter's epistle where he says you've become a partaker of his divine nature, what that means is this is his nature. This is not your nature. This is his nature. Now, I wish, boy, I, I, I feel a little, 
when Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, when Paul writes there, he starts talking about, he starts talking about wherefore they cry, Abba, Father. Father, Father, meaning, meaning, you can now call him Father. I could prove to you that's the Holy Ghost that even speaking in tongues. Amen. That's what it means, wherefore they cry. So the moment that you went to talking in tongues, tongues is not the Holy Ghost. I don't know where we come up with that. Tongues is the proof of purchase. Tongues is the receipt. If you want to get in the scripture, tongues is the witness of the spirit. Wherefore they cry, Abba, Father, Father, Father. Now, why did he say two times they say Father? Because there's two redemptions that I see. And let me explain that to you. See, when you receive the Holy Ghost, your spirit was redeemed. But your body hasn't been redeemed yet. There is where your battle is. Oh, I forgot. I'm in Eureka and everybody here is already glorified. Amen. And Okay, I'll rephrase it. That's where my battle is. Because I now have this redeemed spirit, this divine nature trying to operate, but this old body of mine hasn't been redeemed. I can prove that to you in the scripture. Paul keeps on going down through there. He said to wit uh, the, about our body being redeemed, to wit, or our spirit's been redeemed. And he goes to wit, our body is redeemed. And it's the second part of the adoption process. Now you enter into a state of glorification. That's what he's talking about. When he talks about the manifestation of the sons of God, he's talking about you coming as the son of God in the true divine nature. I'm giving you, I shouldn't. That's why in 1 Corinthians it says he will deliver the kingdom back to the Father. When he does that, he's conquered all things, put all things under his feet, that God might be all and in all. That means there's nothing left that God doesn't feel. It's all divine nature. That's exactly what he's talking about. It's all divine nature. But I, I got this battle. I got this struggle. And that's in Romans 8. That's why Paul says, uh, how does he put it? Uh, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Infirmities there is not a sickness, but it's dealing with your weaknesses and your human frailty. Wherefore, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. God knew enough about this to know that this is where your battle's going to come from. It's going to come through this human nature that wants to war against the divine nature. And which, you say, well, which one's going to win? Whichever one you feed. Is this, is this too much like a Wednesday night Bible study? Whichever one that you're going to feed, that's the one that's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. I, I, I don't want to be cruel here, but uh, one time on Sunday, I, I was, you know, I've been asked a question, what do I think is a, a good deal for new converts and all? And I said, well, you got to get them on the, wrong, the right diet. This is where you get healthy spiritually. You've got to have the right diet. Now, I can tell you the cupcake or the donut today is not the right diet. Oh, I enjoy eating them, but it's not the right diet. I'm setting you up. You just don't know it right now. Amen. You know, and I like those little, don't go, don't, don't go buy none. I'm not saying it for you to go buy some. But I like those little Hostess chocolate cupcakes with the little squiggly lines on them. With a, don't listen, Brother McDonald. With a big cold glass of milk. 
Oh, she's back there shaking her head back there. I, re I bind that in Jesus' name. I cast that devil out in Jesus' name. And how about, how about big old glass of cold milk and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? about this one a container of Haagen-Dazs I, I know your weakness <laughs> Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream Ooh. just don't get any on your forehead Because your tongue will slap your brains out trying to get to it. Uh, I'm about to get some of you smiling anyhow. Amen. And, and, and you know, I, that, I like that. But that's, there's no nutrition in it. Eat it, you get a sugar high, and then a little bit you're like. And then you got hunger pains again. Hmm. So I, I got a picture. I got a picture, brought it to church. And uh, not trying to be morbid or cruel, but I've, I found this family that had been discovered with malnutrition. And, I mean, it was horrible, the plight of those people, just skeletons, skin and bones. And so I said, you know, what you have to understand is, is spiritual health. And I said, what do we look like in the spirit? I said, there is spiritual malnutrition. And so I think that the diet for you to be healthy spiritually, it's real easy. It's bread and water. Water is the spirit and bread is the word. <clears throat> yeah. Now you can go a long time without eating, but what, three or four days without drinking something, you're in trouble. You might want to learn to apply that spiritually. You show me people that create the right diet and they're always continually coming to the well of salvation and getting a good drink of water and the Spirit's replenishing them. And then you show me somebody's got a good diet of the Word of God and they're eating that and they're not eating Twinkies and cupcakes and Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream and filling themselves up with a bunch of carnality. I'll show you spiritually healthy people. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Might be why you're talking about a media fast. I hate them. Oh, don't sit there and act so spiritual on me. Some of you have already said, I ain't doing it. Better be careful what you tell God you're not going to do. Your laptop may blow up. You may drop your phone and shatter it. All right, let's, let's, let's get to it. Everybody say divine nature. God's light, God's love, which charity is the true epitome of God's nature. It really is. Now, 
dealing with dealing with this DNA, human nature, divine nature, this battle between the two. I, I see the church. Now, I, here, here's where I want to kind of get into the miraculous side of this. I see the church asking God for power. Power. I can remember years ago, and I, you've probably heard me mention this. It's just one of those things that it's there. Uh, <clears throat> lady gave us a letter. Her husband had died, and she was our uh, daughter's school teachers in Morris, Oklahoma. And Miss Clark, she taught both of my girls fourth grade. And uh, she, her husband died. Her daughter went to prayer and gave us a letter. We were leaving the school. We, she gave us a letter said, I feel like you want to read this. It was a letter addressed to their family, thanking them for their support and being there with them. And then in the letter, she says, <clears throat> when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I spent many a day in prayer. And I would walk out behind the house, a little wooded area, and I'd stay out there praying. And she said, finally, one day, God asked me the question, why is it that you only ask to see my power, but never my purpose? And so <clears throat> Sister Morgan was reading the letter to me, and I said, stop, read that again. So she did. So I went home, got the big old blue Strong's Concordance <laughs> for computer stuff and started flipping through there. And what I discovered is there's nowhere in the New Testament that the word power stands alone. God has always allocated his power only to fulfill his purpose. So the church doesn't need to pray for more power. That comes from your human nature. <clears throat> I'll remind you that power corrupts. You show me somebody that's just praying more power, more power, more power. I can pretty well show you an egotistical maniac that's going to destruct somewhere down the road. What do you need that power for? What is the purpose of that power? Well, it's locking up in here right now. <clears throat> What's the purpose of that power? Why do you want that power? If you'll remember, is this? Okay. If you'll remember the, th the temptations with Jesus, finally the third one takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and says jump and if you'll remember he reads he quotes scripture to Jesus it is written angels will bear thee charge and all we've also compared the three temptations with uh, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life now I understand the lust of the eye and I understand the lust of the flesh uh, the lust of the eyes when he showed him the kingdoms the lust of the flesh is when he showed him the bread turned stones to bread but the pride of life, how can that be associated with, with uh, jumping from the temple? And so I, I looked at it, looked at it, looked at it. God, please, if this is true, how is this the pride of life? And then one day, just kind of how it does, it's just kind of like went boom. And the Lord said, uh, it's easy. For you it is. His enemy was asking him to demonstrate God's power to affirm to his enemy he is the son of God and I never will release my power to affirm to your enemies or to your peers and demonstrate it in your life just to affirm you 
want to say it again. God is not interesting. That comes from pride. Out of pride, you want the power of God to operate in your life so people know you're spiritual. <clears throat> oh, boy, there went the plow. <clears throat> I, I see it all the time. I, I, I deal with young ministers all the time, and I watch them. I want power, 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 and, and I get a little concerned. And then I hear this statement, if we just have power, signs, and wonders, that's everything that's needed. And, and I get it. I understand it. There's not a person in this room that does not believe any stronger than I do in miracles, signs, wonders, and the power of God. My son talked about it tonight, and I'm glad that he talked about it because I knew I was going to tell you where I thought it would come from. So look at me. I'm going to tell you something. The gifts of the Spirit, the power of God, and demonstration, all that, it's, God's not going to give it for you to operate in it just so it can affirm you. That's not going to happen. I said, I, I tell you what you're going to do. And I want you to listen to me. You're going to open yourself up to something false. I was preaching in Jackson, Mississippi years ago. Preaching in Jackson, Mississippi at Brother Crafts. And, uh, man, the altar service. They, they crammed down there. And I was trying to pray for I mean, you know, that's back when you as evangelists had to go pray for everybody at the altar. And uh, I'm glad we kind of got past some of that. Amen. Especially the older I get and the fatter I get. Amen. And I just kind of, I was so overwhelmed by it. God, I, I just, and so the next day I locked myself in my motel room. I told Brother Kraft, I, I, I just need to spend some time in here. I'm not going to eat tomorrow. And so I remember I spent the day. And uh, so I was, I was kind of laying across the bed and, and had my Bible down on the floor. I was sideways across the bed and I, was looking down at the Bible and I had my hands down. I was reading the Word of God. And I knew something had come in the room. And so I raised up to around and looked and standing at the foot of my bed was an angel. And he had his hands cupped like this and he said, these gifts are for you to receive for the sake of the kingdom. Man, I got up. I thought, oh my God, the Lord's heard my prayer. Woo, he's heard my prayer. And I'm standing there. Have you ever took a drink of water and you got a taste of something that just wasn't quite right in it? That's exactly what started happening. I was kind of like, oh, something's, mm, something's not right about this. And so <clears throat> this is what I said. I said, if you're not of God, I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I watched that thing as it began to change. And man, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just a kid. And I remember I thought, oh my God, I got to call an elder. So I called one. I, I, I called this elder and I said, or he picked up the phone. And I said, I need to talk to you. And this is exactly how it went down. He said, where are you at? And I said, I'm in Jackson. He said, there's something in your room that's not of God. And he said, you better get it out of there right now. He said, I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. He said, if you would accept whatever he's trying to offer you, he said, you'd have seen miracles happen in the service and your name would have spread around the world, but to your destruction. Now, as far as I'm concerned, it was a little test. What do you really want them for? Boy, I know what you're thinking. My God, Brother McDonald, we should have stopped today. He's killing this thing right now. The old man of God, the elder, said, if you'll wait on God, the real and the true will come. 
And then the elder said, can you imagine how many people took it? Here we go. I, I, I watch people operate sometimes, and I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I get a little nervous. And the reason why I get a little nervous is because uh, there's a fine line between the real and the false. And I've watched people move on both sides of it. Yeah. And then I've also learned that there is something called familiar spirits. And to me, a familiar spirit, just like there's an angel that camps around about you, there's also a spirit that's followed you all your life. It knows your history, it knows your past, it knows all about you. And so if you're not careful when you tap into information and your motive is not pure, you'll tap into something. And he'll tell you all there. I, I remember talking. Boy, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I remember I called Brother Barnes when I said, Brother Barnes, what, 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 what do you think is the distinct difference between the real and the false? And he said, well, he said, for me, son, he called everybody son, boy. He called everybody boy. He said, well, boy, for me, that's easy. I said, what's that? He said, if it's the false, it always deals with your past. You ever been around people, only thing they could tell you is something in your past? He said, but when it's true prophet, he said, he's not just going to tell you some things in your past. He's also going to start revealing some things that's going to happen out here down the road somewhere. He said, your enemy doesn't have access to that information. Okay, I, I, I got you stirred up a little bit. I can tell. Uh, I used to, when I was a kid, I, I went down to the county fair. I had to sneak down there because back then we preached against fairs. We did. Fairs, ball games, all kinds of stuff. Now, you know, everything's okay. Amen. <laughs> and I sneak down to the county fair, and uh, there's a man down there, and for I think it's either $2 or $5, you could pay him, and he could tell you your address, your social security number. And I stood there and watched this guy, and there's a man there, and you couldn't even see the cigarettes in the guy's pocket. He, pretty concealed and the guy said this is your social security number this is where you live this is your name and you have a pack of cigarettes in your pocket and this is how many cigarettes in that package and you know he he i know some apostolics if that was happening they'd be shouting ah, yeah my god it wasn't the holy ghost I know you think I'm killing this faith deal. I'm not killing anything. I'm telling you, I said it this morning about doctrine, and you were biting chunks out of the ceiling. I'm telling you right now, we better get a little discernment on whether this is the Spirit of God or not the Spirit of God also. Because if we don't get that, there's going to be a lot of deception that comes through the false. Now, we're so hungry for it that we just accept whatever. We want power. We want this. We want this. Okay, we're getting there now. We're getting there now. Divine nature. Divine nature. Uh, I, I was talking to you today about Sister Gwen Porsche. And Sister Gwen called me one time. She said, uh, I want to tell you about something. She said, uh, 
I remember if it was dream or vision. She said, I seen you and some preachers on a platform. And she said, uh, I knew miracles were about to happen in the building. But she said, um, faith was not in the air. She said, I didn't feel faith. But miracles were getting ready to happen. And I said, okay. She said, but I'll tell you what I did feel. She said, I felt compassion. I felt compassion in that service. And I knew that compassion was there and we was about to see miracles. Now, if you follow the ministry of Jesus Christ, you're going to read statements like this. And he was moved with compassion. I'm telling you, God wants to use this church in a very supernatural way. He was moved with compassion and did many mighty works among them. Now, we lock so much into faith. Man, we just got to get faith. We, we, we got to have faith. I'm going to tell you, faith for me is kind of elusive. You know, just like we used to teach, you got to get in one accord. Oh, one of these days we're all going to get back in one accord and in a building, and we do, we're going to have another day of Pentecost. You ever, you ever tried that? Just about the time you get everybody having the same thought, some carnal person over there starts thinking about a donut or something. And I watch people come to the front. Listen, they come to the front, they need a miracle. And so they think that, you know, I, 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 I just got to keep scripture going on in my brain. And I, I got to say the right stuff. And, and, and God's power and faith and all that is so fragile, I could really mess it up. So I got to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And I watch people praying for a miracle. I've seen it over and over in our altars. Matter of fact, I think a lot of it comes from Catholicism, if you want to get down to it. And they're up there begging God. They look like they're in pain just asking God for a miracle. That's not the nature of your father. I want to say that again. That's not the nature of your father. For you to have to beg him and plead with him and, and, and work yourself up into something. He said, yeah, I'll tell you why you don't have anything. Because you don't ask. I didn't ask you to come beg me. Boy, I'm messing this thing up really bad. I didn't ask you to come beg me. If your earthly fathers being evil know how to give good gifts unto their children, how much more does your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You have not because you ask not. I woke up the other day and I was getting ready to go preach in Concord. And, and that Sunday morning, man, I mean, it's one of those moments the Lord spoke to me. And this is exactly what he said. He said, before you see my hand, you've got to get my ear. I thought, what? Before you see my hand, you've got to get my ear. And he took me over there where my arm's not short, my ear's not heavy. But he said, but I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I'm not doing these things. So I started talking about the fact is, we think that just because there's a need, that God's going to respond to that need. Well, there's a need. God knows my need. He knows the needs of how many people's in the world now? Eight billion people? He knows the needs of eight billion people. He, 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 he knew your needs yesterday, what you'd have need of today. But he operates by principle. I know your needs, but you've got to ask me for it. Oh, you don't believe that. I'll give you an example. They're in a boat. It's about to sink. And the Bible says Jesus was going to pass them by until they hollered out at him. Hey, hold on there just a second. We need a little help here. And he knows all your needs. He knows your situations. He knows your difficulties. But he says, I know all that, but I need you, by my principle, to ask. Not beg, but ask. 
I stood there this afternoon in the motel room and I said, all right, God, according to your word, what you spoke to me the other day, I ask you for this, 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 and this. Don't have to beg him. Don't have to plead with him about it. That's his nature. I, I taught on this one time before here. Where's a... Where's Nate or Grant? Yeah, Grant, let me pick on you since you're up here, you dirt bag. Come on up here. <laughs> if you are a child of Brother Grant, would you stand? <laughs> We're getting ready to see about half the church stand up here. <laughs> oh, I knew he was. How many more? There's some over there? Uh, yeah. Which, which one of you girls want me to pick on you? Come here. You. Come here. Come here. Come on up here, darling. Come on. Hey, 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 hang on now. Is that your dad? Is he a pretty good dad? Most of the time. Okay, come over here. Let me ask you a question. You, you, you dress very nice. I mean, nice. So I want you to tell me how you have to go into your father's bedroom every morning about 6 o'clock and fall at the foot of his bed and say, Dad. Will you please get up and go to work? No, 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 just hang on. Please, Dad, I'm hungry. I need you to clothe me and feed me. How many times have you ever done that? You better say none. Yeah, now I know you get to a dad, I really need a new iPhone or whatever. I mean, I don't even know if you, maybe I should went the wrong direction right there. I mean, that kind of stuff. But I mean, have you ever had to beg him to take care of you and to provide for you? Okay. I want to ask you, where's that in the big manual they gave you to be a father? You have to take care of your kids. Huh? It's instinct. It's just in you. Oh. So you didn't get this big, thick manual? No. Hmm. So you just feel like I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to take care of my kids, I'm going to provide for my family? Yes, sir. And you know why? Because you got part of his nature. Amen. And he says if you don't take care of your family... You're worse than an infidel and denied the faith. That's right. Now, why would God require that out of you? And he's not going to live by the same rule. Do you think him as your heavenly father is going to say, nope, I'm not going to take care of you. I'm not going to give you the miracle. I'm not going to provide for you. I want you to come in here and fall in the floor, and I want you to beg me and beg me and beg me and beg me. I feel a little faith coming now. And beg me and beg me and beg me and beg me 
and I might finally cave in and go buy some groceries for you. If you're a real man and you're a real father, your kids don't have to beg you to get up and to go to work to provide for them. And if you want to mess with a real man and a real father, take away his ability to provide for his family. You know where you got that, sir? You got that from your heavenly father who said, if your earthly father's being evil, know how to give good gifts unto their children, how much more does your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? That's his nature. I wish somebody rejoice here just a second. Quit begging God for the miracle. Oh, I, 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 man, I didn't plan on this going this way. I, I, I'm going to tell you something else. Now, now I, I've, I've observed this. Now, I know y'all getting ready to go on this fast and all this stuff and all. But I've watched people say, I'm going to go pray and fast until God gives me a miracle. Really? Why? What, what, you going to go twist God's arm? Oh, no, I know where I'm at right now in the spirit. We got some elder brothers here. servant in the field with the elder brother said your, your dirt bag brother's home <laughs> he said what yeah that backslidden reprobate brother of yours he's home and, and they, he knew something was going on because he heard music and dancing come from his dad's house that good deal not to have dead church <laughs> and he said you go tell my dad I want to see him and, the, and his dad walked out there and he said it's kind of like, this, this is the way I see it. It's kind of like, you can go sit down, baby. I, I, it's kind of like his dad says, Gucci, Gucci, goo. Huh? Yeah? Gucci, Gucci, goo. What's wrong, little buddy? I'm mad. What you so upset about? I'll tell you what I'm upset about. All these years have I served thee. Never violated your laws or commandments. Worked in your fields. You never killed me a fatted calf. Here's my time card. This is how much I worked. You owe me a fatted calf. And you mean to tell me some new convert comes into church or some backslider and you give them a miracle... And I've been working for it. Oh, I've been working for it. And his dad looked at him and said, you've got to be joking. Seriously. Everything I have is yours. You could have killed a calf and made merry with your friends anytime you wanted to. You own all the cattle on this farm, son. I gave them to you when I divided your inheritance. They belong to you. But don't tell me I owe you something. I'm not your employer. Feel the Holy Ghost. I'm not your employer. When I decided to develop a relationship with you, I wanted you to see me as a father. I could reveal myself in a lot of other ways, but I wanted you to understand me in the nature of a father.
sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Thank you, Grant. Just, just, I'm, 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 I got to get back. I got to get back. Here's the deal. All right, here's the deal. Now, I, I'll wrap it up. Uh, Acts 2, 3, 4, 5. Man, what insight into those chapters. This infant church. All this stuff that's happening. And uh, miracle at the gate, beautiful. Uh, being beaten. <laughs> I mean, all this stuff is happening. They're threatening them. And uh, all this is taking place. But there's one thing in there. There's one thing in there that we skip over sometimes. And it's talking about the church. And it says, and they had all things in common. There was not a need or a lack anywhere in the church community. And they were bringing, and they were selling. Now, listen, listen, I know what some people say. They weren't selling their houses and moving in the streets. That, 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 that's not true. They were selling excess. Because I know the scripture. The scripture says that God gives seed to sow and seed to eat. So all this stuff and all that, God's not interested in your future, and I'm just going to grind it all up and... Make bread out of it and eat it and not worry about it. He, that's, no. He gives you finances and seed to sow some so there'll be another harvest. And then he gives you some to sustain you and to make bread out of it and to take care of you. That's him. But these people are selling stuff. And then they're coming to the house of God and they're laying at the feet of the apostles. Now, here's the deal. I have studied that and studied it and studied it. Yes, they've seen the miracles. Yes, they've seen the supernatural. But that's not what really got Jerusalem's attention. What got Jerusalem's attention is when they're watching these people operate in a divine nature. They're loving one another. And that's not your nature. Oh, power, you can covet it out of your nature. I told your pastor this morning, I said, you know, here's what's amazing. In the end time, the Antichrist is going to call fire down from heaven, going to perform miracles, false apostles, false, I mean, all the stuff and all. He's going to be able to duplicate every miracle. He's going to be able to duplicate all this power stuff that we say is the sign of the church. I said, but there's one thing he can't duplicate. And that's the nature of God, which is agape or love. Woo. See, you can't produce it. It's not in your human nature to produce it. That's why Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if you want fruit, which is love, you want to see the result of fruit, here's what you got to do. You got to stay connected to me because I'm the source of it. It's not yours. I'm the source of it. All I need is a conduit to get the love of God through to the person that needs the expression of the love of God. <clears throat> and so that's why I want the church to manifest. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one toward another. Now, I'm talking to us apostolics. Yes, 
Yes, Eureka needs to see miracle signs and wonders. Yes, we need to see it. My God, we need to see it. But, oh, starting to feel like the Lone Ranger right now. Mm. I mean, how are you going to win the world when you can't even talk to each other at Target? Oh, there she is. Oh, <laughs> See, it's human nature to covet power, but it's not human nature to produce love. <laughs> boy, oh boy, oh boy. And if we start operating, okay, all right, y'all did it. You pushed the button. John, John writes, and he gets into this. Uh, you see your brother have need, and you shut up your bowels of compassion. How say you love God that abides within you? For you love not in word only, but in deed. See, you can't walk up to each other and say, I agape you. <laughs> There's some other words for love, but not agape. No, agape is a verb. It's an action, something that you do. Just stay with me a second. And so he said, if you see your brother have need, you shut up your bowels of compassion, I say you love God abides within you. You're not the loving word only, but indeed. And then what he uses as a backdrop for that is Cain and Abel. When Cain says to God, am I my brother's keeper? And we can say the same thing sometimes, and that's what he was talking about when we see a brother have need. You could say the same thing that Cain said about Abel. I ain't my brother's keeper. They got themselves in that mess. Oh. Okay. All right, I got to stop. Divine nature. Oh, by the way, if your heart condemns thee not, then is thou confidence toward God that whatsoever things we ask, we receive of him. But if your heart condemns you, you know he's not going to give you what you're asking for. Ooh. Now, what is it that condemns our heart? He's in the same subject. See, it's in you to know when you don't love another brother, your heart automatically condemns you. That's, that's what that verse means. It automatically condemns you. And we're wondering why we're not seeing more prayers answered. And it could be it's because we're asking amiss that we can consume it on our own lust. And from whence cometh wars and rumors of wars from among you. And trust me, they ain't nothing like church wars. You got people sitting over here and people sitting over there can't even speak to, speak to each other and can't even get along. That's human nature. I said that's human nature. And if you gave them the power that they wanted, they'd ask God to ex exercise his power, just nuke them over there because I'm telling you, they're rubbing me the wrong way and, and they I just get rid of them. Had a young man calls me pastor a while back. He called me and said, I'm telling you, I'm tired of putting up with this. I'm asking God just to kill them. That's what he said. I said, where's that coming from? 
Now, there's a few folks I felt like killing. I don't mind telling you right now. I said, where's that coming from? I, I, I don't know. I said, I, I'm going to tell you how you're going to win this battle. You ready for it? He said, yeah. I said, I want you to pray God to bless them. He said, what? Pray God to bless them. And if he does, rejoice with them. Is this, is this too heavy here tonight? This is where the miracles are coming from. The only way to manage God's power is with love. It's with love. Now, I'll, I'll start to close it out here. Fifth chapter, Ananias and Sapphira. God killed them because they didn't give everything. No. That's crazy. God judged them because they were walking into something that was so pure. And his nature was being made manifest that all Jerusalem, see, your nature, selfish, it's self-seeking, it's self-centered. Now, if you really want to figure out what I'm saying, not tonight, but go home and study 1 Corinthians 13. Hmm. That's your human nature. And when the world sees us loving one another and helping one another, they know that's not human nature. And Ananias is far. If they had walked in and said, hey, uh, we got this piece of property over here. We sold it for $100,000. We want to give $40,000 in an offering, and we're going to keep $60,000 so we can take a really good vacation. They'd have lived to be old folks. But when they walked into the arena of something that was so unadulterated and so pure, and they pretended, they pretended to be a part of that, God said, I'm going to protect this right here. I'll close with this story. I, uh, man, I, uh, Years ago, I was preaching revival in Modesto. And uh, so Sunday morning, the Lord dealt with me. I want you to preach on lesser altars. And I was like, he took me over to Solomon, and he went to the altar of the Lord, which is basically at Gilgal at the time. He offered a 1,000 burnt offerings. and uh, But the Bible says, but the people worshiped basically at lesser altars, meaning they wouldn't go to the altar of the Lord. They'd just go out behind their house and build an altar. It was a convenient altar. It was a lesser altar than the altar of the Lord. And he said, but finally when my people came to my altar, he said, I gave Solomon a blank check. Let me, let me tell you something. I've been in revivals and been a part of some churches that were there. They were there. It was apostolic. It was being. And I feel the same thing about Eureka. This is a chosen congregation. Whew. Chosen. Ah. Now watch. I preached that day. You know, we build altars, but God builds us an altar.
when we finally come to his altar and we sacrifice, he gives us a blank check. Why? Because he can trust you with it. Thousand burnt offerings, you're going to ask for something stupid. And so, you know, I want wisdom, all that. And I preached that day. And uh, I know you wish it had happened here today, but it's too late for all that. But I only preached just maybe 40, 45 minutes. And, I mean, they flooded. I could still, I could still hear Brother Keys falling out of his chair behind me in the floor. And uh, so let me just say how it happened. It was about four-something. They finally, somebody come in and said, you want us to take you to your room? Yeah. They had the same thing. They had church at 6 o'clock. And so they took me to my room. I got there 4.30, thereabouts. And I sat down and said, okay, God, what in the world am I going to preach tonight? I mean, there's folks still over there on the altar. He said, you, you're not going to preach tonight. I'm going to show you what a real Book of Acts church service looked like. Okay. From the McDonald time I got back, I, I, I don't know where some of them, how they did it, but they come back and when I walked in, the altars were stacked high with stuff. Stuff. Guns, golf clubs, stuff. One man gave his entire business that night. He just bringing, sacrificing, sacrificing, sacrificing. I stood there watching it, watching it. Brother Key stood up committed. I've got a retirement place over here, and, and I got equity in it. I think if I remember, I was dollars $40,000. I, I want to give this, and, and here we went. And I'm not here to take an offering. That's not my motive here tonight. And uh, I, we're doing this. And I watched as the spirit of sacrifice come in that place, which is another part of human nature or divine nature. And I watched them give, and I watched them respond. And then a little bit, I felt it move in the room. And uh, it's like the giving was over. And I have never felt since a love so pure that came into that building. I can remember, you, 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 you'll get this one. I can remember a man by the name of Chuck Winters that stood up and looked at Sister Bonnie. And said, Sister Bonnie, you... Drive over here every morning and pray for this church and our families at 5 o'clock. And that old car of yours is falling apart, and I'm worried about you. So this week I'm going to take you down and I'm going to buy you a nice car so you can get to the house of God and you can pray the way that you want to pray. And I watched people start responding that way, and they were helping one another, giving to one another. Is this too foreign for some of us here tonight? And they were just responding to that. Did The love of God moved in that place so much. It was just... It was just, it's so impacting. And then I stand in there watching all this. The Lord said, you just get ready. You just get ready because you're about to see real miracles happen in this building. And after that expression of love and all that stuff, it's like somebody just turned a spigot on in the heavens. And miracles started flooding into that building. I mean, healings and miracles and signs and wonders were happening in that building. And I'm standing there and God said, this is the window. I want you to see what a real Book of Acts church service looked like. I want it to impact your life. I want you to know if you want it, this is how it's going to come. Now, I'm telling you right now, 
God is offering this church. You've already started into it. I understand that you sacrifice. I hear about the offerings that you give. I get it. You're already in that direction. I understand that. So I'm not here trying to challenge you to do something that you're not already doing. But I am going to tell you that God sees all that. And he watches as you give to help other ministries and she's for Christ or move the mission or whatever it is and global missions. He sees all of that and he says, that's coming from my nature. Giving like that comes from my nature. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when the true love of God starts operating in you, you don't hold it and you don't contain it and you're not selfish, but you give. And when the world starts seeing that kind of stuff, they're going to know that ain't, that, that's not human nature. That's divine nature. And then God says, I'm, I'm doing this so that you can be re- Boy, I feel something right in the spirit kind of doing this right now. I'm going to tell you one more time. This church has been chosen by God. To fulfill certain things in the end time. There is, John Mark said, the supernatural standing right there. And God's trying to just help us here tonight. If you really want that to happen, I need you to get a fresh baptism of my love. I need you to connect with me like you've never connected with me before. And let my love flow through you to my body. Are you listening? I'm on my way over to the Philippines, LDI. I'm done. Over to the Philippines and LDI. And Brother Shockman asked me to come over and do some training. They want me to teach on the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the prophetic in the New Testament church. I'm on the plane, and I've got all the old notes. Brother Wayne McLean gave me notes that uh, he'd got from years ago. And Brother Shom, Lyndon and Alan Shom's dad wrote a book on the gifts of the Spirit. And they were things that just really kind of helped guide me my search for things and uh, I had all those notes and I was prepared on the plane I put my head back on the headrest I said God why, why aren't we seeing more of the gifts of the spirit in operation I mean I know we have tongues of interpretation all that but man there's, there's a lot more than just tongues of interpretation why aren't we seeing the gifts of spirit in operation and I'll never forget it he said you'll see it when you love my body the way that I love it And that you understand that the gifts are not given to make you look spiritual. They're given to minister to my body. Let me tell you another verse that God gave me during that time. You ever read over there, grieve not the Holy Spirit? Read the first few chapters, verses before it, the verses after it. It's talking about your relationships together as his children. And the actual translation is, when God sees how his kids treat each other, it causes him to weep. And the Holy Ghost is saying, I got so much for you. I really do. I got so much for you. So much for you. I just need you to allow my divine nature and for the love of God to flow through this church like it's never flowed. I, you know what? I just feel this. I'm going to say in the last year, just, just come to me, there's been more situations develop that have the potential of wars and offenses and not getting along with each other. Well, well, well. 
Why in the world do you think that's going on? Because the devil knows if I can just get y'all at war and get you consuming things on your own lust, I ain't worried about you. You're no threat to me. But if you stay connected to me and you stay connected to my love, you're about to see a demonstration of my power. I need a little help here right now. I'm telling some of you in the Holy Ghost. I'll go a little further. I'll go a little further. That verse of scripture where two or three are gathered together in my name, I, we, we've used that verse every time we had a low attendance church service. Only two or three. You know what that verse really means? Read, read previous to it. He's talking about offenses and brothers getting along and calling witnesses. And what that verse actually means is, is when you finally get this settled and you get the witnesses here and you get reconciliation, I'll show up. But until you get that, I'm not going to show up. And some of you wonder why your prayers are being hindered right now. And it's hitting the heavens. First of all, maybe husbands and wives ought to learn how to get along. You know, the books... I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm probably tearing something up here tonight. There's a reason why the Bible talks about that. Scripture says if you're not getting along with your spouse, your prayers are hitting that ceiling and bouncing right back down. How in the world are you going to win the, your community and your neighborhood and all that stuff and even your family when all your kids sees a bunch of feuding and fighting and cussing at each other and screaming at each other all the way to church and then you hypocrite, you come walking in here like everything's fine. When's the last time you had a prayer answered? Sorry. I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is speaking to all of us here tonight. There's things that are going to try... Where do you think the love of God's going to manifest? It's not when everything's going great and you're getting along with everybody. It's when there's a cause for you to hold something against somebody and the Holy Ghost says, you better let my nature develop in you to help you. Well, you, you just don't know what they did. Seriously. You poor little martyr. You're the only one in the world that somebody has offended. (laughs) Poor darling. You're special. You're the only one that somebody's ever lied on or misrepresented or cheated. I would say everybody in the building has a testimony. I've had people say some very vicious things. I've been wounded by what I thought was friends. I've been betrayed by people that I thought was my friends. And it hurts. I'm going to tell you the only way I know how to deal with it. Is this right here? Father, you have forgiven me for so much. This is a good opportunity for me to be a real Christian. Not when I'm anointed in the pulpit. <laughs> Whoo.
understand. I'm asking you, God, to forgive them. Because really, they didn't violate my word. They violated yours. There are differences with you, not me, God. And I'm asking you. And I'm going to tell you, there's been a few times I had to stay down there for a while. We did the uh, we did the Azusa Crusade, and uh, Brother Haney asked us to do it. He turned it over to Home Missions. Home Missions said, "We want your team to do it," and so we did it. We got over there, and we found out people were supposed to be given, and the budget was supposed to have already come in, and it didn't. And so. Brother Haney, on the way to the crusade service that night, said, walking over, Brother Morgan, we got to raise an offering tonight, and I need you to raise it. I said, Brother Haney, I'm, I'm supposed to be preaching. No, I, you, I, I want you to do it. We need a good offering. We got to pay for it. Okay. We got over there. I went to Brother Mangan, Brother Key, Sam Emery, everybody I could find. Could you just help us raise this offering? No, uh uh. No, it's, you know. I mean, service has started. It's blowing up down front. David Smith's down there, and he'd prayed 40 people through the Holy Ghost before we even got past the first verse. We had to stop it and send them back to their seats. Brother Mangan leaned over to me and he said, Brother Morgan, he said, if you guys don't get control of this service, he said, the devil will give you 50 and you'll miss 500. So we sent them back to their seats. It explodes again. We sent them back to their seats. It explodes again. Woo. And uh, I said, all right, I'm going to have to preach. We hadn't taken the offering yet. So I was going to preach about Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel, the fire falling. So I said, I'll just include it in my message. And I did. If we want to see the fire fall, it's going to require sacrifice. I'm asking our people to give a sacrificial offering tonight. This is as I'm giving the altar call. I said, we, you, we're not going to bring it. There's, there's ushers stationed all through the building. We want you to come. As you come and as you leave the building, please give us an offering. We need an offering. We had over 3,000 people get the Holy Ghost that night. We did. Over 3,000. That's getting the Holy Ghost out in the parking lot. Yeah. All the other Pentecostal groups were over there talking about the past. We were experiencing Pentecost right there. We had another Zeus happening right there. And so I left that service. Man, I was so excited, so pumped up. Monday, I get a phone call. No, no, let me back up. I didn't get a phone call. It was either Bethany or Charity come to me and said, Dad, uh, there's some preachers saying some really ugly things about you on this website. I said, about what? Well, I don't even want to tell you. The problem was my kids seen it. They were listening to other preachers say stuff like, M.M., that's his initials. 
He can't even preach a crusade without preaching about money. M.M., his initials, Money Morgan. All them Morgans are after money. And, buddy, it took off, and it got more vicious and more vicious and more vicious. Nobody defended me. Nobody told them, well, there's a reason why we had to take an offering. Nobody. I just kind of left out there <laughs> taking it. Ooh. Is this too honest for you? I've been prophesied over getting ready to go into that service. The Lord said, stay on your knees and stay down. You're about to be attacked. But if you'll wait on God, he'll arise as a man of war in your life. And brother, you don't think I wanted to get on that forum and retaliate? You don't think I want to get on there and rip into some of these guys? You let my kids see this. Now I'm sitting here up in, an, up in a little loft area with my kids, with both the girls with my arms around them, weeping over them, trying to pray through and help them understand. Don't, don't get bitter about this. You just just don't, don't, don't worry about what these people are saying. You're my dad. I'm not going to just let this go by. Yeah, we are. We are. And I don't care. I want you to listen to me. I said, I know some of these guys are really saying some ugly stuff, but it's just a little handful. I said, there's a lot more people that are good people, and they're honest people, and they're people of integrity, and they're real Christians. So don't let these few spoil it for you. I get a phone call. Brother Mark? Brother Tenney? Yes, sir. I hear one of our boys here in Louisiana is causing you a bunch of grief. He's one of the ones leading on this forum. Yes, sir. All right. He said, I want you to know it'll be stopped in the next hour. I said, okay. Within the hour, the man that was killing me the most was on the phone. Brother Morgan... It's been brought to my attention that I've misunderstood some stuff. <laughs> I'm sure it has. <laughs> and he said, I want you to know I'm wrong, and I wouldn't blame you for hating me. He said, I, I, I wouldn't. He said, and I hope you don't. I said, young man, did you learn a lesson through this? He said, yeah, I did. Keep my mouth shut and not talk about things I'm not aware of. I said, well, then, you learned it at my expense, but you learned it. <laughs> I preached the Louisiana camp that summer. The young man walked up to me on the platform, grabbed me and hugged me and begged me, please forgive me. I was so wrong. And I'm going to tell you, don't you listen to me. I almost let bitterness into my spirit. I almost let the fact, why don't somebody defend you? Why don't somebody tell the truth about this stuff? Until I finally just kept praying my way through it. I said, I am not going to let this situation cause me to lose connection with my source. I refuse to go to a corruptible seed. I'm not going to do it. It'll be the death of me and the death of my family. If I get a root of bitterness, it'll defile my entire family. And I'm not going to let, I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. Oh, it hurts. But I'm not going to let it affect me to where I get bitter or cynical. Woo! I'm talking to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, they said, they did, whatever. But you need to take it back to Calvary, and you need to get reconnected back to your source, and you need to get a hold of him and say, I want the love of God. And part of the love of God is when you have the power to forgive 
or retain grievances or sins. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The enemy's been working overtime on some of you, trying to get you disconnected because the, they don't want the, the divine nature of God being manifested in you. But tonight I feel the Holy Ghost saying, just come on back and reconnect with me because I'm getting ready to do something with you and through you. But I need my divine nature. Let's let the Holy Ghost just work here a second. Ooh. Let's just let's just put it to test. Connect with somebody. Connect with as many as you can. Just connect together. Connect over somebody next to you. Turn to that person on your right and your left and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. And there's only two New Testament commandments. Love God and love each other. And when I quit loving God, I'll quit loving you. Ephesus. I'm getting ready. Now listen. Listen. Some of you right now. What, what, what's, what's the deal here? You and this girl. That's your daughter. Good. You, you, you mind coming up here, young lady, with your mom? Listen, she needs a little deliverance and some reconciliation, all right? See, when Paul says covet the best gift, I'm a teacher right here. When Paul says covet the best gift earnestly, I don't think we divide them up into three groups and say this is the most powerful. What I really believe is, is whatever gift is needed for you to effectively minister to that person is the best gift. So I don't even know what gift needs to flow here. It's a pretty good gift already, mother and daughter. But not only you, but I'm going to ask everybody out there. When you get ready to pray for one another, here's what you're going to pray. Lord, I'm asking you to let me be moved with compassion for the needs of this person to my right and to my left. I don't have the ability to minister to them in my own human nature. I need a gift to help me. I'm asking a gift of the Spirit to flow through me to effectively minister to the person that I'm getting ready to pray for. So I'm asking you now, Father, to allow me to operate in the gifts of the Spirit to minister to the needs of a brother or a sister tonight. Not to prove that I'm spiritual. Not to show that I got great faith. We'd be so shocked sometimes if we could just see 
the hurts and the wounds and the pains of a sister or brother sitting next to you, that they just smile and we go on. We never even understand. But help us tonight, Holy Ghost, to see the humanity, as Jesus said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Ooh, you talk about filling Colosseums. I'll tell you how we'll fill them. We'll fill them when the true nature of God is manifested. You need to ask God to forgive you for just wanting his power. You need to pray right now. Please, God, let me connect with you and let the true love of God in my heart right now. Let me effectively minister to the need of my brother or sister right now through the gift of the Spirit. Whichever gift is needed. God, I don't have to understand it. I don't, I don't have to be able. I just, I'm just asking you right now, let that gift operate through me right now. Now I want you to pray that, and then I want you to start praying. And I want you to connect with people close to you right now. Would you do that? I'm telling you, the gifts of the Spirit are getting ready to operate in this church right now. I just believe some of you, God, to give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to. You may not even understand how it's operating, but you just, you just start to feel compelled just to say something to that person, just to lean over and say it. Go on, let it operate. That person you're praying for right now may need a miracle. Ask God right now, Lord, do they need a miracle? I pray that you allow the working of miracles. Come on, covet the best gift right now. I'm asking you to allow the gift of the Spirit, the working of miracles to operate. I'm telling you, some of you will be used tonight in the working of miracles if you'll just pray the way that I'm telling you to pray. Let compassion and the love of God fill this building. And once it sweeps into this building right now, hey, you're my brother, you're my sister. I'm not just to show brotherly kindness, I'm to show agape. Woo! I'm telling you, something's flowing in here right now. Something's flowing in this building right now. Something's moving into this building right now. God is setting the stage for this church to see the operation of the miraculous in an unprecedented way.
Come on, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. You may feel to go pray for somebody else now. Let the Holy Ghost lead you to a brother or sister that has a need. Go on, let the Holy Ghost lead you to a brother or sister that has a need. You know they have a need. Go pray for them. 